following teaching is from the 2013 All in Men's Conference at Camp Choye. We hope it's a blessing to you. For more information about the men's ministry at Houston's First Baptist Church, you can visit us on the web at houstonsfirst.org forward slash men. Thanks, guys, for coming. Uh, let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we love you so much. We want to use this time effectively today. Uh, God, we give it to you. And uh, God, I just pray that you teach us, teach us through your word, God. Um, use me, God, this morning. And uh, we just thank you so much for all the families, God, and uh, the homes that these guys represent. And uh, God, we just want your Holy Spirit to infuse this place, God. Invade their lives, invade them as spiritual leaders. And uh, really uh, just give them a charge here uh, today. And uh, help us to really understand what you've called us to do, God, as spiritual leaders. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, how many of you here got uh, spiritual leadership figured out? Because I want to talk to you. <laughs> All right. Um, I've, I'm the minister to married young adults here at Houston's First. And, um, you know, I've, I've read a lot of books because I'm supposed to. I went to school for that. And um, I've, I've done those kind of things. And I meet with a lot of guys and a lot of husbands. Um, and I've learned some things through the years, but really, ultimately, is the Bible's what's going to teach us how to be a spiritual leader. And uh, so we're going to look at that today. Uh, we're going to look at kind of some reasons why it's difficult for us is to kind of figure out how to be a spiritual leader. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for that as guys, just kind of the way we've been made and um, created. And uh, then we'll, we're going to look at some just really four like kind of simple snapshots that you can put into really relevant, practical use as a spiritual leader. How many of you here are married? Okay, most of you. Okay. Kids? Dads? Okay, that helps me. All right. Well, uh, I'm gonna, I just want to start us off just to kind of ask a question here. What do you all think? Why do men struggle with spiritual leadership in relationships. Do you think we struggle with that? Yes. Why do you think it is? Go ahead. Because it really hasn't been modeled. Okay, yeah. Maybe maybe your dad, maybe your grandfather aren't real great at that. Mine weren't. Um, extremely good at their jobs, though. My grandfather and my dad, very successful. But uh, my mom and my grandma are the spiritual leaders. For those families, and that may be the case for you too. Do uh, you, you think of anything else? Requires initiative. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. I, I think sometimes um, our families get the leftovers, and uh, we're kind of tired from all the other things that we do. I know I am. Um, so, anything in our culture make this a challenge? What do you think? Absolutely. Yeah. Advertising. Advertising. Yeah. We're supposed to be in control of situations like this. Our, our, our culture says we're supposed to be in, so it puts ed, added pressure Absolutely. on us. Yeah, yeah. Disney provides uh, lots of great people moments. <laughs> Disney does? Yeah, Disney does. Yes. Well, yeah, that's, that's true as well. I think the culture has diffused responsibility. Okay, yeah. By putting it on the rest of the family rather than on the men. Yeah. We're supposed to be equal, so that they they can do that now too. Um, okay, so let's look at. I've got a, a few here reasons why. Let's talk about this for just a second. Uh, here we go. First, 
Men have, I mean, y'all have already said this. Men have been trained for their work, not for their relationships. Uh, that's just kind of an obvious one. Um, we, uh, for a lot of us, we go to work and we're kind of stroked for our performance. And you may have an administrative assistant or you may have a team and, and they're telling you what a good job you're doing. And uh, then you get home and maybe you have a nagging wife and maybe you kind of feel like a failure and you're losing at home and you're winning at work. Where do you want to be? At work. So uh, there's, a, there's a lot of that going on. So um, number two, men draw their identity from achievement more than relationships. These kind of go hand in hand too. If you go all the way back to Genesis and look at how God created Adam and Eve, um, what was Adam created to do? Take care of the garden and conquer the world, right? You know, basically go out and, and, and do it. And that was even before he was around. That's what he was told to do, right? So it wasn't, he, his friends basically were animals, okay? So, and then, and then Eve came. <laughs> so, then Eve, what's her, what was kind of her purpose for Eve? Yeah. So, so men, men, we kind of our deal is we like to conquer, and women kind of like to connect. That's just the way we're made. I'm, I'm not going to steer to everybody that way. There's exceptions to the rule, but for the most part, we like to conquer. They like to connect. Um, so we get married. Okay, I conquered her. What can I conquer next? So there's a little bit of that. Okay, what woman can I conquer next? Or what uh, job or activity can I conquer next? It's almost like okay, you've got a trophy up. I got my um, my deer up on the wall now. Uh, what's next? Um, so, yeah, that's a that's a big part of just who we are as men. Our culture has given us a faulty view of masculinity and relationships. Um, so, what does that mean? Well, it's kind of like what you were saying, like with the Disney uh, movies or other movies. I mean, just think about our examples. My grandfather is like the epitome of every Hollywood. Um, Hero over the years: Rambo, Terminator, Batman, Spider-Man, James Bond, silent, strong types, um, and that's kind of what we picture, right? That, okay, if I'm going to be a really great leader, and you're watching that your whole life from a little boy, uh, I, I compare myself. You know, you know, superheroes—they're they're not fantasies; they're options, right? It's like, which one do I want to be? Um, so, our culture has given us kind of a faulty view of masculinity in that way. Um, it's not necessarily bad. It's just uh, they don't exhibit a heart for being warm and ministering husbands <laughs> for the most part. All right, number four. Men are often driven to push for quick results and fail to enjoy the process. Does that make it difficult to be a spiritual leader in a home? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We want, we want things to happen quick. Um, we have kind of a bias for results. What's the bottom line? Give me the bottom line. I don't need the details. Give me the bottom line. So that, that makes things very difficult to be a spiritual leader. As, we, as we, you'll see as we look at what, as we identify what a spiritual leadership is in, a, in, in Scripture. <clears throat> so, uh, number five. Let's get through these. I want to get to the. Oh, did y'all get enough time? Men are often driven to push for quick results and fail to enjoy the process. Y'all agree with these? These make sense? Yeah. These aren't excuses. I'll use them excuses. But uh, 
This is what we got to work with, though. All right, number five. Men often don't feel safe being vulnerable and revealing their feelings. Now we're getting uncomfortable in here, right? So, um, it, and it's true. You know, I'll tell you why it's true. All of us as men have insecurity issues. We're insecure about talking about ourselves with other men because we know we're messed up. And if we share that with other people, we think, oh, they're going to use that on us. And I, therefore, I'm not going to share my sin. I'm not Like what Eric just did in there is very rare to talk about a pornography issue when we should be confident enough to talk about those kind of things with other guys. So, um, so the, because of that, it, it's going to make it very difficult to, to be a spiritual leader. Does that make sense? <clears throat> so, yeah, go ahead. Exactly, exactly. Um, about 10 years ago, I started meeting with a group of guys each year uh, to, to try to disciple them. I mean, we're called to make disciples. So I was like, okay, I need to meet with some guys and do that. So uh, 10 years ago, I was doing college ministry, so it was college students. But every year we had But the thing that always comes up after we got to know each other a little bit is just like, oh, okay, y'all are all messed up too. And it's just we get once you get over the hump, and uh, man, it was we we loved getting together and talking because we don't do it. That kind of conversation just doesn't happen with uh, people, our coworkers, or people we know. Is you know how was the game? You know that kind of stuff. So um, I think that's a really important thing that we got to understand how to do. The last one: men are independent and sometimes feel they really don't need others. Do y'all fall in that boat? It's kind of a kind of a renegade spirit. Um, I mean, this has ma- major ramifications on practicing spiritual la- uh, leadership and relationships. Well, men are independent and sometimes feel they really don't need others. Frank, can you elaborate on what you said having uh, big ramifications? This- yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, if you want to be uh, practicing um, spiritual leadership and obviously relationships well. If you're a lone ranger, I mean, you're not going to have relationships, right? So, uh, probably the biggest, just if you put it in one word, relationships is what makes you a great spiritual leader. Um, ministry is relationships, spiritual leadership is relationships. Um, if you don't relate with people well, it's going to be very hard to do those things. And that's not always that doesn't always come naturally to us. It's something that you got to work on. It's like basketball; you got to practice, you got to learn those skills, and do it over and over. And then you get good at it, and then it becomes fun because you're good at it. And the same thing with relationships. Uh, so, um, does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. You can't. You, yeah. If we're called to make disciples, if we don't know anybody that's not a Christian, I mean, what are you, what are you doing? Um, okay, so those are the those are just kind of the the challenges that we have just as men. Okay, um, I want to show you um, a scripture uh, that we're going to kind of look at here about really becoming a confident spiritual leader. Okay, uh, and we're talking about specifically in the home in this room, but I really think you can take these principles and. They, they work outside the home too, but we're going to talk specifically about the home. Uh, 1 Peter 
uh, chapter 5, which only get four verses. And, and these four words, model, minister, mentor, and manage. Keep them all in so you can remember them, right? So um, if you, as you think about being a spiritual leader and we look at this scripture, try to imagine what each of these look like. And Greg was so wise the first night when he talked about, I guess it was last night, um, he talked about roles versus, versus doing those roles from your soul. Um, and, and that's really a lot of what we're talking about today. Uh, it's not just, these, this is my role, but you can't do that without the Holy Spirit and Christ working through our soul to do, make that happen. Um, 1 Peter chapter 5. Um, <clears throat> so I just want to read this, and then we're going to come back through, and I'll show you where these four... Um, M words come out of here, okay? Therefore, I have a request, and this is about spiritual leaders in the church. This, this is what Peter's talking about. And I think what we can learn from spiritual leaders in the church is that, hey, this works in the home too, okay? So, therefore, I have a request for the elders among you. I ask this as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, as one who shares in the glory that is about to be revealed. I urge the elders, like shepherds, tend the flock of God among you, Watch over it. Don't shepherd because you must, but do it voluntarily for God. Don't shepherd greedily, but do it eagerly. Don't shepherd by ruling over those entrusted to your care, but become examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive an unfading crown of glory. All right, so uh, the first thing here I just want to bring out is it says, don't shepherd by ruling over those and trust you care, but become examples to them. So, as a spiritual leader in the home, what are we supposed to do? We model. We model the good shepherd. We model Jesus um, as a spiritual leader. So, as we, as we learn from our walk with Christ, as reading the Bible, spending time in prayer, uh, fellowship with other believers, as we grow as a Christian, as a leader, we need to not only internalize what we learn, but model it uh, to our family. So, be an example to the flock. So, <clears throat> people do what they see, not necessarily what they hear. Okay? Um, our lives need to align with our lip. Okay? It's very important that we do that. Uh, there's a, a long time ago, I don't know how many years ago it was, there was a huge train wreck in North Carolina. And a bunch of people drowned. Uh, part of the track was broken, and it actually went into a river um, up there. And, the, and a lot of people, uh, as the story goes, blamed uh, a man. He it was the flagman. There's a, there a man out there that knew the track was broken, and he was waving a flag to let the, the, the train conductor know. Okay, So they had, he has a red flag that's like a warning flag. Well, what the train conductor and everybody on the train saw was a white flag. And so after everything had happened, he, he, he said, well, can you produce the flag? He said, well, here it is. Here's the red flag right here. But it was so faded. And he'd been using it for so many years. It was pale and it looked white, especially from a distance. And he said, I did my job. I do what I was supposed to do. But the problem was it was so faded that no one knew it was red anymore. And I think... Um, a lot of times as spiritual leaders in a home, we actually know what to do, but because of our busy schedules, we're tired, 
all the excuses that we have, it doesn't look red. It looks faded. It looks white. Um, so we, we've got to understand um, how to not just give our family leftovers and uh, really devote ourselves to, to taking the time and taking the energy um, to model the Christian life to our family. Um, the Yankee Hall of Famer Joe DiMaggio, um, they, uh, there's a reporter asked him, why do you play so hard? And uh, he said, it's just a part of who I am. But then somebody later asked him on that same day, um, is there more to it than that? And he said, he really gave the motive for it was this. He says, because I know there's at least one person out there who's never seen Joe DiMaggio play before. I love that. He's like, I'm going to do the very best that I possibly can every time I play because there's somebody out there who hasn't seen me play before. I'm not going to just... I play according to my reputation, and just but I'm going to play my hardest every time. Um, and that type of excellence as a spiritual leader um, is something that I strive for. I'm I'm not there all the time. I'm just tired sometimes. And uh, but it's as best you can is as Jesus works through you. Um, we've got to make the time to do that. And it, as we go through this, I mean, it's just four things, but it can get a little overwhelming. Um, you, if you're not if you're not there, you know, a lot of us may be doing two or three of these, or you may not be doing any of them. Maybe just pick one. Just start on one. Maybe you just need to start modeling it, and forget the other three I'm going to talk about today, and just work on one. Don't get overwhelmed. Just take one step at a time. Uh, so here's here's the first one: is is modeling. Does that make sense? Any questions there? Um, it's pretty straightforward. Okay. Here's the other part here: like shepherds tend the flock. Tend it. So be a minister. Minister to your family. Not only do you model um, Jesus as a leader, but you need to minister to them. What does that mean? It means serve them. It means serve. I remember when I really figured this out in my marriage and I started really serving my wife, um, what I got, and you'll get this too if you haven't been serving them, is all right. What do you want? <laughs> I go, really? I really, I just, I've just tried to serve you because I love you and this is what Jesus has called me to do. She said, no, no, really. What do you want? But, um, so you'll know that too if you start serving and, and, uh, you know, she's like, what are, what's going on? What's the alternative motive here? Are you trying to get some sex from me? Um, but, um, no, really, I'm serving. That is a nice side effect to this, though. Um, so not only serving your wife, but serving your kids too, and that's that's a hard way to think about it. I mean, I ask I ask guys, you know, where is it hardest to serve? Is it hard to serve at work, your community, or at home? I always say home, always. I don't know. It shouldn't be. It's our family, but it's like I don't know what we we got going on in our mind that we think we shouldn't serve. That leading doesn't mean serving at home. It means like authoritative or boss or something for us. But really, ministry is serving. Leading is serving. Um, does that make sense? Y'all get that? At work, we do see positive feedback from serving. That's right. We don't necessarily see it. Either. Yeah. That, that's, and that may be part of it, right? It's almost like it's expected from us so we don't get any affirmation for serving. I, think, I, I do get affirmation from my, from my wife and kids, but it doesn't happen very often. Um, and that's something you might want to just communicate. 
I mean, are y'all like me? Like when I do stuff around the house, I'll like do the dishes or I'll or I'll, um, I'll vacuum. Like my wife's love language is is uh, is, is serving basically. So I, uh, that's the only way she hears me saying I love you. So I serve and do things like vacuum or or whatever. And I'll be like, Hey, did you see I I, I did dishes <laughs> um, or I vacuumed. Did you see that? I did a lot today. Did you see that? So I like fishing for affirmation. I've noticed that lately about me. But it might be that you just need to communicate with family. You know what? I'm, I'm really trying hard to serve, and it helps me if I get a little affirmation from that. that. Um, yeah, that's right. You vacuum, but you get really vacuum. Um, okay, so like shepherds tend the flock. So we got to tend. Like a shepherd really serves. And and I'm not saying your family's like sheep, but think about for shepherds what a menial job that is. I mean, that's probably one of the dumbest animals ever, are sheep. Um, and they that's their life, is they tend that flock. Um, okay, so uh, tend. Let's see if I can get this. I'm pointing at the screen. I need to point at my computer. Um, do it. Okay, so, but do it voluntarily for God. Don't shepherd greedily, but do it eagerly. So, mentor. Voluntarily and eagerly. This is, I want to be the spiritual leader for my family, and I want to do it for God's purposes. I'm not trying to lead my family so that it'll look, I'll look better in the community or at my church, or look how good I'm doing that, look how great I'm leading my family. But mentoring is something that you do voluntarily. It's something you're not doing for your own gain. You're investing in someone else's life um, for so that they will grow. So you're you're, and we're going to look at some specific ways to do all these things here in just a second. Um, but I'm just trying to explain it from the scripture right now. So mentor, so model, minister, mentor. And this is what the, this last one is probably what we most of us men are easy. What we do the easiest is, is, is to manage. Um, so, like shepherds, tend the flock of God among you and watch over it. Don't just tend it. Don't just be an example, uh, but watch over it. <clears throat> so, this is the idea of overseers. So, we're kind of an over. There's overseers in the church, but we over, oversee what goes on in our house as well. So, and th- this involves the idea of being a visionary. So you look at your, your wife and you say, wow, she is so gifted in hospitality. Or she's so good at helps and serving other people. How can I affirm my wife and help her be better at the giftedness that she has as a Christian? How can I, how can I manage that, watch over that, and help her be better? Man, my oh, my, Callie, she's so good at singing. She loves singing. She loves art. How can I affirm her in that? Maybe I need to get down on my hands and knees and color with her from time to time. Maybe I need to do some art with her. She loves art. Or how can I affirm her in that? Or uh, uh, Bob, Billy, or whatever your name, your kid is. He's he's great. He's great at. Uh, I don't have any sons, so that's all I came up with. Um, <laughs> I got three girls, so you know he's he's great. Man, he's so good at soccer. I mean, I need to get out there with him and, and help him do that. He's so good at encouraging his friends. I, I need to encourage him in that, build him up in that. So managing is doing just that. So it's it's being a visionary leader um, and seeing you could you could step back and see the big picture of your family and where you want your family to go. Okay. 
is seeing the big picture of your family and managing in that in that way. And we do, a lot of us do that in our job. We know where we know where we're trying to go at work, or maybe you know what the path and direction you're trying to go. You have a vision for that. Have that. Have a vision for your family. You're the spiritual leader. You're the one who casts that vision. Um, with, here's another Disney example. Um, when Disney World, this grand opening, you know, uh, Walt Disney was he wasn't alive to be there for the grand opening of Disney World, and the uh, the MC there. Uh, he was about to introduce Mrs. Disney to come up and say a few words. And he said, uh, I just wish Walt could have seen this. And Mrs. Disney, she said one sentence. She got up, got to the mic, and she said, he did. And then she sat down. Because there's probably no greater example besides Jesus Walt Disney was an incredible visionary person. He already imagined what Disney World would look like. He already knew what it was going to be. He didn't even have to be there. He had seen it already. And and that's, I think, what God calls us to do as spiritual leaders in the home is be visionary in that way. Okay, you overwhelmed now? Let's get, let's get to the practical part um, and kind of say, okay, how does that really look? What does that really look like in our homes? How are we on time, Ross? We have about 40 minutes. Okay. <clears throat> How do I model? Okay, there's a there's a, going to be a, there's a lot of examples of this, but I just want to give you about four for each one. Uh, maybe some things that you can can work on, and I can work on too. Train myself to continually ask the question: What would the good shepherd do? Okay, um, what would Jesus do? <laughs> but really, that's it is a great question. When you're not sure how to model it, well, what would be Jesus be doing right now? Um, be conscious of your example when you're with your wife and your kids. Um, and it seems like, well, yeah, Brad, but I think I think we we get so relaxed when we're with our family that we don't think about initiating this and being um, on purpose with this. So be conscious of your example when you're with your wife and your kids. And you could probably think of a lot of scenarios where you're a bad example. So if you you know those situations in your life when you're a bad example, you need to be really conscious of it then. When you're easily angered or you're frustrated, you're tired, something's going on at work, and you're like, don't say anything or I might blow up, just be conscious of that. Um, open up and be transparent in conversation. Um, it's hard to model if, you, if you're bad at communicating. So... Um, Open up, be transparent. Uh, this is gigantic, this fourth example. If you want to model being a spiritual leader, pray with your spouse. Pray with her. Pray with, you know, if you don't pray with her, um, set, up, set up a time, go out to eat, and say, I really, I really feel like as a spiritual leader, I really need to, we need to start praying. Let's pray once a week. Let's pray once a week for 15 minutes. I mean, if you're not praying, that's a good way to start. Let's pray 15 minutes. Let's come up with four or five categories of things that we need to pray about, and we'll pray about those things each time. Then as that becomes a habit, you know, add a couple more days in the week. You know, it'd be great if you could, if you could pray daily with your spouse. Um, pray with your kids, not just uh, when you go to bed, the... the Pray that they, I just pray that Callie and Reese would just 
go to sleep tonight and not talk. And uh, they would just go to sleep and so that they won't get a spanking in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, not that, okay? Um, but, um, but really praying with them. You know, and not just at meals and not, you know, not just at bedtime. Um, but knowing your kids and knowing what's going on in their life so you can pray specifically about events in their life and or, or things that are happening in their life. Um, one of the things I've stopped doing is saying, how is school? I don't say that anymore. I say, tell me about school. Tell me what happened today. What's something that made you mad today? What's something that made you happy? Were you sad today? And then you get to the emotions and man, they start talking instead of saying, "School's fine." What, you, what we do? Oh, same thing we do every day. You know, actually talk with your kids. Yeah, but if you can get to some of the emotions, it really helps. Okay, let's go to the next one. Well, I was going to ask any others, but we were. Uh, y'all got anything that works really well for you? What you already doing? Yeah. Uh, the uh, reading the Bible. Yeah. Spend some time looking at study study the same thing together. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. I find a lot of times that uh, if I just shut my mouth, listen, walk away, yeah. I can still say what I want to say. Yeah. Right now, in seconds, <clears throat> if, if I decide to. So. That's and big. Most times, I don't want to say it. It's just not worth it. <laughs> yeah, so. That's true. Right. Right. I'll say also. Okay. Asking for forgiveness is a big one. Like, oh yeah. Uh, I never really saw that model me, and uh, you know, so that's been. But I, I think that can really be. Uh, Humble yourself. Yeah. Humble yourself enough to ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Don't let pride ruin the relationship. Yeah, that wasn't model for me either. But I'm good at modeling that with my kids, and because I I mess up a lot, and uh, <laughs> they they're more willing to talk to you if you admit your mistakes. Right. It's so and, true. Yeah, exactly. Now, when they, uh, uh, I've tried Charlie had to be angry, unfortunately, and so I, I spent the last six months or so trying to control my anger. <clears throat> and when he gets angry and stomps off, he, I let him go. Just go. <laughs> Three, four minutes later, he come in here. He knows he's wrong. Right. It's like the Holy Spirit does to me. He taps on his shoulder and says, "They're going to apologize to your mom and dad right now." He'll come in there. If he calms down, he'll come and, and, and he'll apologize. You That's know, good. Yeah, because you set that example, and, and now he feels proud to do that because his daddy does it. We're going through uh, Midland. Yeah. And just going through a study. Yeah, take your kids with them together. Go to a class together. That's awesome. How do I minister? Find out your wife's personal needs and attempt to meet the ones you can. Um, I'm going to put up a, about six different books if you like to read. And one of them is uh, His Needs, Her Needs. Great book. I'm trying to figure out your wife's needs. Look for tangible ways to serve without calling attention to yourself. I talked about that earlier. That's kind of hard to do. Um, and, they, and they may not notice it. And that's okay. That's not why you're serving. But they will if you're consistent at it. Forgive all wrongs and affirm your family, just like we were just talking about with forgiveness. Be sensitive and begin to anticipate needs. That's that's next level right there. Uh, being sensitive and then being able to anticipate things before they happen. Um, 
I don't know if y'all are actually writing these. Does that give you some time? Okay. Um, there's probably a way I can make that available. I wasn't planning on it, but we probably can make that happen. What time time we got, Ross? Uh, 12 minutes. 12 minutes, okay. I've got a whole other passage of Scripture I want to look at, but I don't know if we're going to get there. But this, I think we need to stick with the application right here, though. This is what we need. Um, y'all, y'all got that? Yes. All right. How do I mentor? Initiate loving confrontation when there are barriers or offensive in the relationship. You got to be strong enough to do that. Take the initiative. Um, telling the truth in love. Initiate loving confrontation when there are barriers. I see. What I saw in my family and my dad's family was the dads never did this, and the moms ended up. Mom was always the bad guy, and we let mom do that. But we need we need to be the bad guy sometimes instead of always the buddy. Um, and in a lot of ways, your kids are going to respect that teaching coming from dad more than they will from mom. Um, it's just it's just the way we're built. But initiate loving confrontation when there's barriers. Discover your wife and kids' gifts and help them find an outlet for them. We talked about that earlier. Discover your wife and kids' gifts. And help them find an outlet for them. Pray for their spiritual growth. Pray for their spiritual growth in their presence when you're praying with them. <clears throat> help let, let them know that you're praying for their spiritual growth. You know, as you pray for them, they, that's a great affirmation. Dad's praying for my spiritual growth. Wow, that's awesome. Um, give constructive criticism kind of goes with the first one but you know don't just say you should have done that but give it a reason constructive criticism and somebody mentioned this earlier too read the same scripture regularly and find time to discuss what you both found that's just discipleship (coughs) there's a lot we could put on this one but this is some. This is some easy. Well, they're understandable examples. Maybe not easy. All right, we got one more. Once y'all get a chance to write those. Good. No? Okay, hold on. Can you describe what you mean by that? Which one? The last one, not any others, but the same scripture. In other words, you take like a chapter or a verse? Yeah, all of the above. Yeah, yeah. So just just you're reading the same over thing. And over. With your spouse? Yeah, with your spouse. Um, you know, you might want to pick something different that you read with your kids, or you could do it all together, have a family time that you spend. And maybe it's one verse, and you may actually memorize it that week, too. Travis. I'll tell you something we started with a couple months ago. Is, um, I'll just 
to seek God for a verse that I think is applicable to our families. Yeah. And starting on Sunday, breakfast, lunch, and dinner throughout the week, we'll just memorize that as a family. There you we'll go. Talk about it when we get together to eat because that's the one time usually that we're there together. Mm-hmm. And so by the end of the week, our kids know this, these verses. We have a chance to talk about. Them. And they didn't just memorize it; they understand it. Right. Yeah. How does this apply to my life? And we yeah. also uh, they have a test on Sunday. <clears throat> go to church tonight so Sunday morning if they get the Bible verse right they get a spoonful of honey <laughs> <laughs> that's good when I'm reading scripture if I have a question I have a uh, I don't understand it or whatever the reason may be just bringing it up in discussion with my wife and getting that interaction of her view of it my view of it so we can both understand my difficulty, you understand know, it, and Right, and you, you, that's going to help your marriage as you get to know each other because you talk about that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, one of my kids are older, and I also have three girls. But when they were little, um, we would, number one, have dinner as a family. That's mm-hmm. big right there. I mean, that's pretty rare, isn't it? Days, yeah. You know, everybody's off dinner and things. Um, so that was really <clears> very important to us and something that we. So eat together as a family. And then during the course of the meal, we will ask everyone, including my husband, what was your high point and what was your low point? And it just helps open up some dialogue. That's big. I say with with uh, things like scripture memory and uh, doing daily devotional with your kids or weekly devotional with your kids. Right. It's uh, exponentially easier if you start those before they become teenagers. Yeah, build a, build a habit in. Yeah. And if you try to start it when they're 13 or 15, they know everything. And right. So, uh, <laughs> exponentially. So, I've, I've That's really great advice. Start it early. Yeah, start it early. Uh, so they'll actually listen to you when you're older. Um, oh, here we go. Manage. This is the one we probably do best at it's what I've observed but with your wife's input make decisions on what you will do on dates night, date nights that seems silly but man date nights is sometimes like wow we haven't been out in months why is that well we're just busy can we have it put it on the calendar so talk about that uh, assume responsibility to divide functions to be performed within the relationship you know if you've never talked about what do you, you expect from each other Responsibility-wise, as a family, do that. Divide those functions out. Um, be a peacemaker, please. That goes a lot with forgiveness as well. But be be the be the spiritual leader and be the peacemaker. Uh, initiate maintaining a clear conscience in the relationship. Um, <clears throat> So, you know, distractions that can happen. Um, you start chasing a rabbit in your conversation, but initiate maintaining a clear conscience in the relationship. You're going to manage a lot better. Um, so those are some of the examples that I've put up there. <coughs> I want to show you in the time that we've got left, which I think is about five minutes. Yeah. When are we supposed to be done? 10.30? Okay. Um, and then there's 15 minutes in between. Yeah, um, I want to show you this verse of Scripture. Uh, there's actually two more verses I didn't get up there. But um, 
Here, here's why all what we're saying is important. Uh, the welfare of our culture is dependent on the welfare of our home. Okay? And, our, and the welfare of our home is dependent on the welfare, the spiritual condition of the head of the house. So, not only is spiritual, not only is spiritual leadership in the home so important for our home, but it, it affects our culture, affects our world because the home has that much impact. It affects our church. Um, real discipleship can happen in the church, but it, where it really happens well is in the home. Um, so that really steers everything that happens in our country, and. Uh, Psalm one twenty eight makes that very clear with the verses I don't have up here. But he's he talk he starts with the man and works his way down to the home, and then he talks about Jerusalem and he talks about Israel uh, being blessed because of that. But let's look at this just really quick. Um, get out get out your camera. You got a you got a you got a camera on your phone. Those has got phones with you. Um, you know if you got a camera, open up your camera and just look through it. I'm looking at this camera. I'm taking a picture of Ross back here. I've got Ross right in the middle. I've got a little box right in the middle of my screen. And then, so I'm, I'm focused on, I want to make sure I've got the center right, and I also want to make sure the circumference of my phone is what I want. I don't want, like, something sticking in on the circumference. I've got to get everything just right before I make that picture. Well, when you, that's, that's what this verse helps us to understand. So, the right center is this. How, ha- how happy is everyone who fears the Lord? The center, you want to take the right picture as a spiritual leader, the center is we need to fear the Lord. Combine the elements of reverence and trust. In fearing God, we will fear nobody else. God is the center whether we make Him the center or not. He's still the center. Okay? So fearing the Lord... And then walking in His ways. Not just talking about it, but walking in His ways. That's the right circumference. Okay? So, the limits set by God Himself, not the limits set by man or by culture. Okay? As a spiritual leader, fear the Lord's the center, walking in His ways is circumference. So, here's what happens. According to Psalm 128, if you do that, here's the results that you should have. Okay? Um... You're going to be blessed. And, you, and blessed means happy, but not happy as the world defines happy, but happy as God defines it. Um, so you're going to be blessed at work. Your hand, you, go, you, sure, you will surely eat what your hands have worked for. You will be happy. So emotionally, your feelings, um, those are going to start to grow as you keep the fear of the Lord centered and walking His ways as circumference. Okay, that's what your focus is. And it will go well with you. So that means in your future, God will still be with you. And the future of your family will be blessed. Um, your wife will be like a fruitful vine. So your family will be blessed. So if you take the picture of a vine, a vine clings, it climbs, and it clusters. Um, a wife, it has to have something to cling to, to to grow. What does your wife cling to? You. Uh, so you, you become when in Genesis says uh, you you leave your parents and you cleave or cling to your spouse you become one flesh. So she clings to you 
and she's going to be able to climb that wall or that trellis of your of your family and make it a beautiful place. There's going to be purple grapes growing there, beautiful leaves. It's going to be a blessed place, and then she's going to cluster. Um, now, that may or may not mean children. There's a lot of ways they can cluster, but obviously one is children, and that could mean that she's going to cluster in kindness and thriftiness and helpfulness and affection, all of those things. You're going to be blessed if you fear the Lord, walk in His ways. And the last part is, your sons will be like olive trees. Um, so the last minute that I've got. I got a minute? Okay. Okay. The, la- the last minute. Of, um, <laughs> um, the psalmist calls children olive trees. Let me give you a little lesson on olive trees that I've learned. Um, olive trees, which I don't have any of these in my yard. I'm sure you don't either. They're slow to grow. And they need a patient planter. Okay? They're really slow to grow. It takes seven years for them to have berries on it. Think about that. My oldest, she got saved at seven. I think there's something kind of right about the age of seven for understanding salvation. But the crop's worth is not ready till the 10th or 15th year, though. So it gets berries at seven, but it's not really ready to produce fruit until 10 or the 15th year. And then once that olive tree is established, it needs little supervision if it's been taken care of through that time period. Okay, Even if long neglected, it will revive again when the ground is dug up or plowed. They're evergreen trees. okay, So they're going to stay green. So there's a lot of imagery there when he says, you will be blessed if you fear the Lord and walk in your ways because your sons will be like olive trees. Um, So... So just in so just in closing um, on all of this, being a model, being a minister, um, uh, all of those things, being able to manage and being able to mentor as a spiritual leader, really simply, fear the Lord, walk in His ways. You're going to be a good spiritual leader. What if you're trying to lead and you feel God's going to do something, but your wife says no, even though you feel like God's telling you. Yeah, that's really great. And there's probably others in here that have experienced that as well, right? You know, one, one, I think I would go back to what Robbie said, and I'd make sure your wife's not lost. That's not like a, like a hit on your wife. I'm not saying that she's lost, but that's a good starting point. Let's find out what her salvation is. Let's, let's help her understand. Now, she may have... You know, background-wise, she may have a terrible relationship with her dad, and maybe she looks at you kind of like her dad, and she's going to buck everything you say. And that's something that you have to understand and, and, and learn about. But the second thing I'd say is pray, and pray a lot. And if she's willing to pray with you, that's a huge step. Even if she may not want to do the things that you're saying, um, if you can get her to start praying with you... Um, the, the main thing I really want to say is that don't try to change her because you can't. God changes her. Uh, so it's right, very easy to re- react to what your wife may say. Don't react to her. Respond to God instead. And let God change her, and He will. Now, it may not be in the time frame you want it to be, um, but I would say be patient. Um, lead as much vocally and modeling as you can 
but you're going to know best how far you can go with that with your relationship with your wife. Um, that's not an easy answer. Even that's, in prayer, be open to God changing us. That's right. And part of it may be you or me, too. That's a really great point, too. Um, don't just think, my wife's the problem. Uh, most of the time, it's me that's the problem. So, uh, I'd like to say something, too. I think that I found, um, I found that a lot of times, they want your wife, or I, okay, my wife, is testing me to see if I'm really going to stick to my guns. Right. Do, if I'm hearing from God, am I going to listen to him or am I going to listen to her? Right. And I think that she she wants that affirmation and she wants me to be able to back it up. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times what comes as a lot of negativity towards something that I think is important um, turns into, okay, this is why I think it's important, and then she'll turn around and go, oh, okay. Yeah. So, and, I, and I think our wives have a lot of wisdom too, so we, we need to listen to our wives too. <laughs> Um, I just want to make this I forgot to do this really quick but there, there's more that you can do besides coming to this breakout um, if you're not in a life Bible study get in one you need, that's, where, that's really where discipleship process happens in our church um, not only that if a lot of our classes have smaller groups that meet weekly out of those life Bible studies as well um, and men's groups out of those life Bible studies you can find other men to meet together with uh, milestones that was mentioned earlier um, those are available throughout the week. Most of them on Wednesday night. Men's grow groups. A lot of these come out of a life Bible study or through the men's ministry. Page 15 on your retreat guide has a bunch of different things that you can do as well. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, and then and then books. Um, I've got six suggestions that would be helpful with the topic that we talked about in here. Um, you may have read some of these already. I'll just tell you, tell you a few. This is one of my favorites. I learned so much about my wife from this book. And what's really great is it has a quick start guide. It's this little fold-out thing, and it summarizes the whole book. I kept that in my car for a long time. It basically says, when she does this, this is what she means, and this is how you should respond. There's like a bunch of examples. It's really great. (laughs) What's that? Okay. (laughs) We were talking about needs before. Great book on understanding your wife's needs. Um, uh, Building, uh, talking about being um, a manager and a mentor with your children. Building your child's self-esteem and sense of purpose as a father. This is a huge, huge one right here. Uh, They call me dad. Incredible book. He's also written on the seven secrets of effective fathers. This is the Every Man series. Uh, what's, uh, there's one on like pornography and lust, Every Man's Battle. Same author. He did one about being God's man and leading a family. Uh, great book. And then Every Man Struggles with this one. Um, it used to have a different title called Choosing to Cheat. And he's saying Choosing to Cheat at Work so you can spend time with your family. That's basically the, the summary of the book. But When Work and Family Collide. Great, great, applicable book there. There's lots of other ones. But uh, if you you like Thank you for taking the time to listen to the message from the 2013 All-In Men's Retreat hosted by Houston's First Baptist Church. We hope this message has been encouraging to you. Pray that you have a great day.